Amen. I don't need those notes now. You can, you can take those notes now if you want to. I All right, in your Bible this, this morning to the book of John, chapter 15. Been in John now for a long time, preaching and teaching through the book of John. And please, if you'll take your Bible to John, chapter 15 this morning, and uh, we'll try to uh, develop a thought. Uh, it's 1034 right now. And uh, so I'm going to have you out in decent time today because of the fact the shorter I preach, the less I have to study. And uh, being an old man like I am, I'm getting kind of lazy. And uh, so if you will grab on now, we'll try to find out what God will have us to do. We've spent several weeks in the upper room with our Lord chapters 13 and 14, and we've just spent a lot of time, preached probably uh, six or seven, maybe eight messages out of chapter 13 and 14. And now I want you to note the last phrase in verse number 31 of chapter 14. It says, and Jesus said, Arise and let us go hence. So chapters 15 and chapter 16 is the time between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane. The time period covering the the time that they were traveling from the upper room where they had the Last Supper. And the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed, as it were, great drops of blood the night before he was going to be crucified. So now the disciples and he has left the upper room and they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 1. And Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit He taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. In other words, God knows in our lives what needs to be taken out. And God takes it out. And I'm glad that God is so wise and so caring that he knows when and what needs to be taken out that we might bear fruit. Is everybody with me? Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, talking to the eleven disciples, saying, I know all eleven of you are saved, cleaned, washed in the word. Now, I know you are saved, he said. Notice the next phrase, abide in me. Stay in there. Hang in there. Hold on. That's your part. Jesus said, I've cleaned you. Not to go back to the hog pen. I've cleaned you that you may abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, 
except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. He's saying, Christians, hang in there. He's not talking about sonship. He's talking about fellowship. Did you get that? If you're saved, you're not going to get thrown into hell because you do something wrong. But oh, how miserable a Christian is when he's outside the will of God. The child of God will never be happy in the hog pen. It's always better to eat high on the hog as to eat with the hogs. God calls a sheep, not dogs. Dogs return to their vomit. Hogs return to the hog pen. I'm glad he called us sheep. Verse 5. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He's talking to the 11 disciples. Christians. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me. And I am him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. Might underline this next phrase. For without me, ye can do nothing. You say, well, I'm doing something. How's it going? Without him, how is it going? We kicked him out of the schools. And how are they faring? We kicked him out of government. And look at what you got. We kicked him out of our home and we placed him with Hollywood and a television. And now marriage is going down the tube. And divorce is exceeding marriages in our country. And 60% of all the folks who are living together are not married. We kicked him out. Well, we're just having a good time now. If a man abide in me, if a man abideth not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and as withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Have you seen any withered Christians lately? You know those that the shout is gone. Those that the joy has gone. They have no song to sing because they've hung their harps in the willow trees of this old world. And the Bible says, how can they sing the songs of Zion in a strange land? It's not about losing your salvation. It's about losing the joy. It's about losing the contact. It's about losing the intimacy that a child of God ought to experience if he's been born again. Wonderful scriptures, are they not? Verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you. That my joy may remain in you and that your joy might be full. I think we're missing some of that. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this. Than a man lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends. If you do whatsoever, I command you. Have you ever heard this phrase? A teachable moment. Everybody here today ought to be constantly aware of teachable moments. God is continually teaching us. It's just that we're not willing to listen too often. Many times God has to take us to the woodshed and skin our spiritual hide, if you please. And then most of the time we have not the spiritual perception to realize what God is doing. And we just call it a coincidence. But I'd like to express to you the wisdom of our Lord in taking hold of teachable moments. Our Lord was a master at connecting what was going on around him to spiritual truths. Would to God we were that way, that... We can see the Spirit of God in everything that's going on around us and we can apply a spiritual truth to our life around what God has given us. May I illustrate, if you would, please. Notice in the first phrase of that verse, Jesus said, I am. Seven times in the book of John, we've come across that phrase, I am. And in every instance, it has surrounded our Lord with a teachable moment. In John chapter number 6, Jesus took just a few loaves and a couple of fishes and fed 5,000 hungry folks. You remember that? And they responded to our Lord in wonder. And our Lord said, I am the bread of life. (laughs) Can you imagine 12 basketfuls of bread left over and 12 basketfuls of fishes left over and everybody's amazed. Look at all the bread. Jesus said, that is temporary bread. I am the bread of life. He that believeth in me shall never hunger or never thirst again. Wow. I wonder at the dinner table, do we ever find a teachable moment For our children. I wonder when they leave for school. If ever there is a teachable moment. I wonder in their hurt. Even in people bullying them at school. I wonder if we could all apply a teachable moment to our kids. Are we too busy thinking about us? That we never have time to be spiritual perceptive enough to realize that this might be a wonderful, teachable moment. Again, in the book of John, chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus was there 
at the temple at the Feast of Tabernacles that they call the the celebration or the festival of lights when they let the magnificent, marvelous lights around the city of Jerusalem. And it was just a glow, a, a glow of lights. And everybody was overwhelmed at it. And he turned to his disciples and said, that's temporary. I am the light. And he that cometh to me shall never, never again walk in darkness. Wow. Teachable moments. They were walking one day over the, by the hillsides in Judea. And there on the hillside was a flock of sheep. And as he walked with his disciples, he did not have the King James Version of the Bible whereby he could just extol the riches of God. He just took the situation that was happening on the hill and said, Say, fellows, look at that flock of sheep. I am the great shepherd. And by the way, tonight they're going to put them in the sheepfold. And I want you to know, when they go in the door, there's only one door. And he said, I am the door to the sheepfold. I am. Isn't it marvelous that our Lord takes teachable moments and applies it to us? Well, today, he's left the upper room. He's walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. His 11 disciples are with him. And strewn all over the hillsides of that country are grape vineyards. The climate is absolutely excellent for growing marvelous grapes. What a coincidence. Israel was known as the vine in the Old Testament. Israel made much of her being the vine... Even so much that Israel's coinage had stamped on it the grapevine until the Romans overtook them and issued their own coinage. Jesus knew that those 11 Jews held the grapevine and the vineyards in great authority. Even above the temple, golden wire. Woven beautifully. And there hung with golden leaves. Before you walk into the temple. That huge beautiful grapevine. Made of solid gold. Covered the temple door. And Jesus walking with his 11 disciples. Knowing what great homage they paid to the vine. And as he walks by, maybe a great vineyard, he looked over and said, Say, fellas, I am the true vine. A teachable moment. And say, guys, ye are the branches. See that little twig out there hanging in the wind? Ye are the branches. And except ye abide in the vine, no fruit. Where are you abiding? It's 
not about salvation. It's about connection. It's about fellowship. It's about receiving the life-giving source called the sap that comes from the grapevine to the branch. You say, well, preacher, I'm not sure that you know what you're talking about. In this portion of Scripture, the 11 verses, the word abiding is found 11 times. In 11 verses... That little word, abiding, is mentioned 11 times. If it's mentioned once in the Word of God, we should heed it. But if in 11 verses it's mentioned 11 times, dear Lord, surely we might ought to stop and consider it. In 8 verses, fruit is mentioned 6 times. So the essence of this is if you want to bear fruit, you have nothing to do with bearing. I mean, with producing it. All you do is bear it. The fruit comes from the source. The fruit comes from the vine. You, the branch, just gets to let it hang on there. And folk never look at the vine to see what kind of vine it is, guess what they look at to see what kind of vine it is. They look at the branches and see what's hanging on the branches. Jesus said to those 11 disciples, I'm not worried about how much money you got and I'm not worried about your financial status and I'm not worried about your political views and I'm not worried about your entrepreneurship. I want you to know you are branches. Our Lord said by their fruit you shall know them. It, 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 I don't know. It's so quiet in here today. I don't understand why it's so quiet. Thank God I'm a branch. Thank God it don't depend on me of producing fruit. All God wants me to do is hang in there. Abide in Him. That's all He wants me to do. Come on now, amen. I'm not talking about church now. It'll help you if you stay in church to stay with God. And it's almost impossible to stay tuned up with God and be out of church. That's really organize the church. That's really establish the church. We need the church to help us to abide in Him. Because I guarantee seven days in the world, it's easy to get unhooked. Come on, say amen. You watch as the world turns and the stomach up chucks and on your way to Flamingo Road, you end up in General Hospital. Can you say amen? <laughs> Watching that trash, there's no way in the world we can stay hooked up. Listen to what we listen to, no way we can stay hooked up. Well, 
I just like to tell you, the parable is teaching that Christianity is a partnership. The partnership is, my part is to abide. His part is to produce the fruit. The blessedness of abiding. The opposite of abiding is backsliding. Sliding back. Thinking that you are better off without the vine. Or maybe thinking you'll hook up with a vine later when you've sown your wild oats. Or it's my decision whether I and when I hook up and stay hooked up. I'd like to talk to you for just a minute. And in the theological realm, we're talking about fruit and The ultimate goal is that our lives would bear the fruit that would be honoring to God. The process in the way that that is accomplished is abiding in Him. The ultimate goal is that we would bear fruit. And that that fruit would glorify God. Herein is my Father glorified. You saw that, that you bear much fruit. God's not glorified by the tie you wear or the slick shoes you may shine. God is looking what's hanging on the vine. God is looking at the attitude. God is looking at the actions. God is looking. And so I would like to share with you today that many folks are in discussion about the fruit. Some have taught that the fruit Jesus is talking about is just plain obedience. And God knows the child of God ought to be obedient. And obedience, I think, can be seen in several areas. And I think we do need to have obedience hanging on our minds. Some folks have said that the fruit is producing other Christians or soul winning. And I do know this, that God has placed in the seed the ability to reproduce. And I think I as a Christian ought to be reproducing my like other Christians. I think we ought to be soul winners. I think we ought to be witnesses. I think we ought to be drawing others to Christ. Now some have said that the fruit that Jesus is talking about in John 15 are the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, meekness, long-suffering, and so forth and so on. My question to you today, if you just wake up just a minute, Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. What fruit's he talking about? Well, let's ask Jesus. Matthew 7, he said, by their fruits ye shall know them. If he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but so much more as you see the day approach it. 
If God and Jesus Christ said you ought to be in church. Then when you are in church, you are obedient. That's the right kind of fruit. But you say, well, I'll go when I want to. Hang in there. Little bitty twiggy. And you wonder what in the world's going on in my life and why my life's falling apart because you're just a little bitty twiggy, buddy. Ye are the branches. You're not supposed to give orders. You are the branches. You're not supposed to be making decisions. All you're supposed to be doing is just hanging in there. You say, I don't like this. Don't remember asking you. Now, fellas, you're clean through the word. I've told you about my father's house. And I saw you needed something besides more words. And I gave you the Holy Spirit of God. And don't you say you can't do it because ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm giving you everything you need to bear fruit. Now, hang in there. Quit making Mickey Mouse silly excuses why you got to miss or why you got to do this or why. Hang in there. You say, preacher, this is a Sunday night message. Yeah, but you won't be here. (laughs) Boy, I'm a good one at making friends. The blessedness of abiding. First thing I'd like to talk to you about out of this text is I'd like to speak with you for just a moment about our relationship to Christ. We find it in the text. Our relationship with Christ. Look at this. Take your Bible down. Watch this. I am the true vine, not just another vine. Uh, That's a bunch of vines over yonder. And all they are vines, but I am not another vine. I'm the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. He owns the vineyard. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. Can anybody say amen? Amen. If you doubt that God owns it, you are in trouble. He said, now, fellas, I'm the true vine, but God owns the vineyard. Now, let me tell you, every branch in me that beareth not fruit is taken away. That don't mean you're going to lose your salvation. It just means you have been removed from all of God's lovely blessings. Removed. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. 
that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Notice this. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me. I knew. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. You got that? You don't join Christianity. You're born into Christianity. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become, you know the rest of it? The sons of God. We are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. An intimate relationship. A knowledgeable relationship. Beloved, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I want you to know today that I am in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing is ever going to change that. I may be a bad son. I may be a weird son. I may be a wayward son. I may be a hard-headed son. I may be a uh, no, no, never be a, I may be a pretty son, but I am a son anyhow. Because I have been born into a relationship and now I have been infused into the true vine and I'm a branch. Do you understand that? Do you understand the blessedness of being saved? Can you understand that you'll never see or answer for your sins? Because God paid for every one of them at Calvary. Everyone at Calvary. And I'm not a member of some religion. I became a member of God's family. Amen. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Son, the blessedness of abiding in Him. Man, that's enough to make anybody to want to get saved. Now, I no longer have life, physical life. Now, my life comes from another source. If I am a branch, I have no life in myself. The branch just hangs there. But as long as you're hanging in there, life comes from the true vine. Wow. Now it don't matter. It don't depend on what I do. Now it depends on what comes from the vine. Because what comes from the vine will be produced in the branch. Wow. The blessedness of being in a relationship with my Lord. It's a relationship by grace through faith. And that not of what you do. It is a relationship 
of being just flat saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a relationship of intimacy. Notice verse 2. It says, in me. Did it say that in verse 2? In me. Notice verse 4. Abide in me. Notice verse 5, if you would please. These are just verses, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me. Notice the word in. Please don't miss that word in. I just don't know Christ. I'm in Christ. I have an intimacy. I have a relationship. And that relationship depends on me where I abide. I have a choice to abide in Him. I have a choice after church to step out and talk like, do like, go like, be like I want. But I'll know by your fruits what kind of branch you are. And if you want to glorify God, and every child of God ought to want to glorify God, then the way you glorify God is abiding in Him and allow Him to produce much fruit in your life. Because when God takes a hell-bound, worthless, God-rejecting sinner and saves him and puts the Holy Spirit in his heart and washes him in the blood of Christ, everybody can see that fellow going from Skid Row to Hallelujah Boulevard and our Father is glorified watching that fruit in that individual. Can anybody say Amen. You say, preacher, this is not very good. Shut up, I'm enjoying it. (laughs) The blessedness of our relationship with Christ. I'm just about done. I'm embarrassed. It's only 11.08. Maybe I should have studied more. My question Listen now, got a question. It's very important. Are you connected? You get connected by faith, by grace. You get connected by calling upon the name of the Lord. You get connected by depending on Him to get you to heaven instead of you getting you to heaven. Uh, you, You get connected... I just fully trust in him for your eternal life. Then abiding in him so that you might have a victorious, fruitful life on this earth. The blessedness of being one of the branches connected to the right vine, the true vine. Oh, our relationship with Christ Can I please talk to you about our responsibility to Christ? Verse 6, our responsibility to Christ. 
Verse 6, if any man abide in me, if any man abide not in me, he is cast forth. If any man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. Notice now, the withering does not happen until there's a severing of the branch. The Lord did not sever the branch because it was withered. He severed the branch because it was not producing fruit. A branch that does not produce fruit only sucks the sap. A Christian, now fellows, he's talking to the disciples. Don't be just sap suckers. Now some of you folk look like you've got a real problem. I don't want to be just a holy rolling sap sucker. I would love to be a fruit barrier. And you say, preacher, you can't do it. Oh, yes, I can. Because the fruit bearing does not depend on me. My responsibility is to abide. His responsibility is to produce the fruit. I probably just dial your number. You are the kind of Christian you are choosing to be. And it's not my fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's nobody's fault. You and I are the kind of Christian we choose to be. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now he's not going to do that for a sap sucker. And don't call me and ask me to pray that God would fix your situation when you're nothing but a sap sucker. God said... I will take care of the sap suckers. First, I'll just sever my fellowship with him. Not my relationship. But I will sever my relationship. And when I sever my relationship, he will wilt. And then men will gather them and not throw them into hell, but they burn those 
And Jesus said one time, you're the light of the world. And you're the salt of the earth. And if the salt has lost its savor, it is fit but to be trodden underfoot like the dung of animals. Oh, My relationship to God is for a reason, and that is to produce fruit. Worldliness produces weeds. Huh? You know what destroys marriages? Weeds. You know what destroys kids? Worldly weeds. Failing to abide in the true vine, getting in this world, if you please, and covering themselves with the dirt of this world and germinates and provides weeds. We see more weeds in church than we do fruit. I'm not talking about the visitors, I'm talking about us. So what is my responsibility? To abide in Him. What does abide in him mean? It means don't leave. <laughs> don't leave reading your Bible every day. Don't get too busy to pray, bless your heart, and enter into a personal relationship with God. Don't get so busy that you've got to yield yourself to an employer and not yield yourself to God. You can have a job and still be committed to God. You can live for God. I don't care where you're living. To abide in Christ is our responsibility. And it simply means don't leave. It also means to remain in his love. Look at verse verse 9. This is wonderful. As the Father hath loved me, so I loved you. Continue. Same word, just translated, continue, abide in my love. How do you abide in his love? Hang in there, little twig. Even when the wind starts blowing and you think, I'm just a twig, I can't do this. Hang in there. Even when nobody in the world seems to love you and everybody's spitting in your face, remain in his love. Because he loves you. Dear God, I don't know how, but he does. (laughs) To abide means... To obey his commands. You say, well now preacher. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments. You shall abide in my love. And as I have kept my father's commandments. 
and abide in his love. Preacher, I just don't know the will of God for my life. Here it is. God's will is not going to reveal to you in a frizzy feeling of goosebumps running up down your back. You don't need to eat an anchovy pizza before you go to bed to get God's direction. Jesus said, abide in my word and you will abide in my love. And if you abide in his word and you abide in his love attached to the vine, then whatsoever you ask, you will get what you ask. This is God's will. Well, I just think it's God's will that I go to another church. Really? Really? Now, what you're saying is, I'm not comfortable there. He said something I didn't like, or somebody didn't shake my hand, or somebody looked mad at me. God's will and God's way is not determined by the expression facing, facial expressions on backslidden Christians who are no longer attached. Most folk wouldn't know God's will if they stumbled on it. This is God's will. Your trouble is you don't want to do this. So you come up with your own idea of what God's will is. Folk join our church because of our youth department. Folk join our church because of this, because of that. Very few folk join our church because of this. This is God's will. You abide in this. You do what this says. For instance, when it comes to tithing. You know, when it comes to tithing. Well, I'm going to pray about it. Don't worry about it. Just do it. When it comes to being faithful to church. You got your own idea. Oh, withering soul. I would call you a sapsucker, but you get mad. You got your own idea. You wonder where the joy's gone. Now there's nothing but hate and hostility and fury. And that's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've detached yourself. Why don't you come back and start doing what God wants you to do? The best you know to do. Our responsibility, what time is it? 11.20. Can I please give you this? Not only our relationship with Christ, our responsibility to Christ. Can I please talk to you about our reward in Christ? Oh, let me show it to you, would you? Would you give me just a minute? Because the doors are locked. You can't get out. I honestly would like 
for our Sunday morning crowd to learn something. Now, if it ever gets to where all of our Sunday morning crowd is coming, Wednesday night and Sunday night, then I could just preach about heaven on Sunday morning and everybody would be happy and then I could teach you on Wednesday and Sunday. But since I only get one shot at some of you, I've got to give you the whole load when you're here. Our reward. Verse 11. These things I have spoken unto you. Look at this. That my joy might remain in you. His joy flowing through the true vine to the branch gives lasting joy. His joy. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He took upon himself the form of a servant. And for the joy that was set before him, Endured the cross, despising the shame. All this frizzly, temporary joy that everybody gets from winning the lottery, a free ticket to the baseball game, super steak sweets to me. <laughs> All that joy, and then you've got to hate everybody in the world because they're trying to get what you got. My joy, is that good? Is that good? When gas is so high and salaries are so low and taxes are going to be increased, jobs are gone. The Muslims are after our hide. They can carry a Koran to our schools and they can't carry a Bible. They can wrap their heads in their morning rag that they wipe their water off with. But we can't wear a t-shirt that says Jesus saves. In a world that's going to hell in a handbasket. When Hollywood and everybody else is trying to steal our kids and our homes are being destroyed in multitude rates, my joy just can't hack it. But his can. Looking out the window, the guy that's going to cut his head off, Paul said, I rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Only as we abide in the vine can we receive the sap of the joy of Almighty God. The reward of staying hooked on. We experience his joy. Next verse, if you would please. Verse 12. And this is my commandment. 
that you love one another. I've loved you. Experience his love. Have you ever been told by somebody, I love you? And then betrayed by that very person who said that? Have you ever been friends with someone? And you grew to love them. And that love has been severed because of circumstances that's so minute and Mickey Mouse. Well, I want you to know, neither height nor depth or any other creature shall separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul said, the love of Christ constrains me. Plugged into the vine. Paul, the branch, just receives a whole dose every day of God's joy and God's love. And everybody can see it. Let me ask you, are you hooked on? Are you abiding? Tell you what, ask your mate if you're hooked on. She probably already told you this morning, you're unhooked. Come on. I receive his joy, his love, and his friendship. Wow. Did you see that, the last verse? He said, you're my friends. Oh, wish that if wasn't in there. See the if? Anybody here see the if? See, our responsibility is not to produce fruit. Our responsibility is to abide in Him through His Word, through prayer, through a rational, spiritual decision. I'm going to stay hooked on. Then it's up to Him because now you're His friend. Rewards? I think the rewards overweighs the responsibility. And I think the relationship enhances my responsibility. My question to you, are you attached to the vine? Because without him, you can do nothing.